0: It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast.
1: I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to Tangential Inspiration Podcast. This is Teresa. And this is Colleen. And I'm going to chat about a woman named Peace Pilgrim.
0: Never heard of that before.
1: I hadn't either, but she was an amazing woman. Sadly, no longer with us, but that's going to be my chat tonight.
0: I am going to talk about some of the challenges and the triumphs that people with missing limbs face. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. Yes, I'm excited to talk about it. So, fans of Britain's Got Talent were moved to tears during oh. the finale. I guess this happened back in June. And it was featuring the dramatic dance performance of Musa Matha. <gasps> I think I saw that. Okay. Yes. he does, South he African native. Yes. Okay.
1: okay. Okay. Who had his leg amputated at the age of 10 due to oh cancer. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea the right. story. He just was amazing. Yes. So.
0: And – at first, when he was on stage, because I was watching the video mm-hmm. of it, I thought that it was maybe only amputated to his knee, but once he started dancing, he definitely was amputated up to hit the top yeah. the whole, the whole yeah. way. Yes.
1: He so is- it, at 10, he? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, yes.
0: And he had the judges, Simon Cowell, Alicia Dixon, Amanda Holden, and Bruno Tannoli noticeably moved. The 27-year-old ex-football player. So just a reminder that in Britain, that would be soccer to us.
1: Okay. I'm glad you clarified because I was thinking. Same. same. Our football. Same. With a helmet. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: He now calls London home,
1: said how after giving up his
0: aspirations to play professionally, he had taken dancing lessons from his pals. Oh. Yep. The judges applauded Musa for his performance and refused to give him a golden buzzer because they had already given one out during the other auditions. I think it's probably a rule that they haven't made up. I mean, there are producers and everything else. But it. I watched the video, like I said, and the audience was unhappy about it. Yeah. However, for the first time on Britain's Got Talent, all four judges pressed the buzzer together and had totally co- golden gives, confetti he, rain he, down on him. Goosebumps. And he totally earned that, yes, for sure. Yes. This has never happened to another contestant. Simon said, I've never, ever heard a reaction like that in my life. Mm. So.
1: And that's saying a lot, because he's been on that show for... For a Ever. long time. Yeah.
0: And it was interesting to me. I found this little blurb about him, too, that I just, for some reason, I just loved. And apparently he was part of a TV campaign called There's No Wrong Way. Hmm. Motha was. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or Musa. Sorry. Musa Matha. Was part of a TV campaign titled There's No Wrong Way. He said, I respect and value my craft. I practice regularly. I'm open to new ideas and new lessons. In everything I do, I do my best. No compromise.
1: He definitely practices a ton. Yes. I like yes. that too. It actually no scared
0: me. You guys should go watch the videos yeah. on YouTube. Because at the beginning of his performance, he falls. Yeah. And it almost, at first, I thought it was real. Yeah. Me
1: too. And it kind of freaked me, me too. out. Like this poor so guy. You
0: should, you should really go watch yeah. it. And it made me think about how strong he has to be. Because our bodies are really made... Symmetric, symmetric, yeah. And so it was, I know this sounds crazy, but as he was dancing, I thought, I wonder what that other leg looks like. It's probably so muscular, mm-hmm. so strong, good core to yeah. also keep yourself absolutely straight yeah. like that. I was just really impressed. So, Whole check body. it
1: out. Whole body, yes, yeah.
0: I really can't do it justice. You no, need to go you check do it have out. To go watch it, yes, for sure. And so, as I was looking into this, my husband had actually sent me something about a no limits camp for kids that are missing limbs. Oh,
1: yeah. Another called- great suggestion from <laughs> I Jeff.
0: Know, I know. Yay, Jeff. <laughs> so good. It's called Camp No Limits. And the No Limits Foundation is a nonprofit organization providing camps for children with limb loss and differences. The camp aims to provide education, mentorship, and support these children and their families, which oh. I thought was really, really cool. Camp No Limits fosters a welcoming and supportive community in the hopes of helping all those who attend camp. And it was started because this woman named Mary was working with a little boy named Nicholas. And Nicholas was Mary's very first patient with limb loss. He was only two years old. Mm. She was working at a private pediatric therapy clinic mm-hmm. in Maine. And he, like I said, he was only two and a half years old and he was missing three limbs.
1: Oh my God. Baby.
0: I just can't even. Mm. This didn't stop Nicholas from being a cheerful kid with a big smile on his face and a spark in his eye. I just love that. Mary found herself in awe of this young boy as he approached anything asked of him with steadfast determination and a willingness to give it a try.
1: Mm. Colleen is making so. me teary here.
0: <laughs>
1: I just love looking kids, yeah. too. Or I should say, Nicholas is making me yes. teary here. Yeah. Yes.
0: Hanger, prosthetics, and orthotics, which we, that's actually a national. Place that does a lot of orthotics and prosthetics. Mm -hmm. Just working with injured workers and stuff that have lost limbs, that's who we always work with as well. They're a great place. But they constructed Nicholas's first prosthetics. And what Mary was doing was helping Nicholas adapt and realize the full potential of his new prosthetics. Mm -hmm. With the help of his body powered prosthesis, Nicholas was able to feed himself with a spoon write his own name, and wash his own face. I thought that was so cute, this this little boy washing his own face. By the time he was three years old, he took his first steps. Aww. Mary's experience with Nicholas left her with a determination of her own. Looking at the boy, she wanted to make sure that he never lost his drive to succeed and that he never suffered under limits put on his potential. So the suggestion for the creation of the camp came from a brainstorming session in 2004, and I believe Mary was brainstorming with other people, but this particular person that came up with the camp idea was an occupational therapist mm. named Bobby Lombardi. She suggested a camp meant to educate both children and their families in the importance of physical and occupational therapy, adaptations, prosthetic options, and peer support. No such camp existed at the time, and thus Mary had a drive to create it. That's it's so.
1: surprising to me that nothing was out there for because right.
0: it's right. so needed. And what I love about this camp, too, and we'll talk about just a little bit more, is that it was just for families, too. But the very first camp took place in August of 2004, and it was hosted by Pine Tree Camp in Maine. Mm-hmm. It started just with four families. They took a risk on something new by attending, and Camp No Limits began to sprout. That small camp has only grown into something so much more, reaching across the country to provide kids and families the same care that Nicholas received years ago. And there are camps in Maine, Missouri, Maryland, Florida, Idaho, Arizona, Texas, California, and Connecticut. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about their mission. It's to educate and empower young people with limb loss slash limb difference and their mm-hmm. families to discover and develop a healthy, happy, and independent lifestyle. So these camps have impacted over 1,400 people. There's 400 families served with 1,200 individuals. This is another just great thing. 88% of the families are funded by sponsors and donors. Oh, that's, that's a huge that, percentage. That is huge. And like I said, there's 10 camps nationwide. There's education there from certified therapists prosthesis adult amputees which I thought that was cool too and various yeah, great organizations. role models for them exactly available at each camp there's peer support campers and their families share thoughts feelings concerns and successes about living with limb loss there's physical therapy they educate campers on the proper way to run, bike, ascend, descend, stairs, and ramps. That's which we take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Going up and down stairs. Yeah. And fall safety.
1: Like, if which, you fall. How to fall safely. Yeah. How to fall yeah, safely. Because it's going to happen. I mean. It is. It's part of the, the whole, you know. I mean, it happens to us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> I mean, truly. Yes. General suggestions on how to prevent or correct abnormal posture and gait deviations are also discussed, which is really important too. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I was talking about Musa, you know, when you only have one like that, I'm sure you've got to work on your core. I mean, the dancing probably helps, of course, but you know, keep yourself But a lot of work with that dancing,
1: I'm sure it helps, but the hours that guy has spent preparing for that.
0: Yep. And occupational therapy, if you don't know the difference between that and physical therapy, Occupational therapy is more about activities of daily life. So occupational therapy works with the kids on dressing, bathing, grooming, meal prep, writing, and cutting with scissors.
1: Oh, which, yeah. Like, Don't even think I, about
0: that. I know. Yeah. I use scissors every day just here and there, right? You're cutting off a tag on your clothes. <laughs> I
1: was going to say, Colleen, I mean, what are you using no, scissors but, every day I mean, But you're right. Seriously,
0: like yeah. the other day I was folding something and there was something hanging off it, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: You know, you just use it yeah. so much more than you think. In food too, obviously, and also proper techniques using adaptive and prosthetic devices are discussed. So this was just so amazing to learn about, and I just love the thought of this. And you can learn more about this camp at
1: NoLimitsFoundation.org. I love that, Me and too. I love that eighty-eight percent of it is, you yes. know, funded because right. they're already the expenses they have just. Right. For in general, are enormous. Just from so work, hurts. prosthetics are.
0: I just had no clue how expensive yeah. they yeah. were, and also, I mean, yeah, there's ten locations for these camps. But I was looking at this and thinking, okay, here in Oregon, I know we'd go to California. That's or also Idaho. cost, yeah, yeah, right to get there, yeah, and gas yeah. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and so to have the camp taken care of yeah. for them too. Might just well, make and like you said, for it's for families,
1: attempt. so missed work. I mean, you just have a lot There's of a variables lot into there. it, so it's so nice to have most of it covered, covered for them so yep. they don't they have one less headache. Yep, no limits so. I love it. So, Colleen, do you have anything you don't allow yourself to buy? Like sour cream and onion chips. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you're, you're talking food because I don't oh, want to. I have a long. I should have a long list of those. Um, what? What do you mean? Well, what I heck? personally have a moratorium on okay. the following purchases, and okay. these are self-imposed. But okay. Notebooks. Oh. I I have a just I love notebooks. Oh, okay. I love paper stuff. I love okay. Hats are on that list because okay. I've got a lot of see none of these are lids like something that's like so exciting for me. So keep oh. going. Uh, leggings. Oh, I love fun nice. leggings. <laughs> furniture to refinish. Oh, I love upcycling and. But
0: I'm very particular about furniture. If I don't have a mm-hmm. home for it, it
1: doesn't it come doesn't home. Even, well, my home for it is in the garage. Ooh, that so smart that's or stingy. I'm not, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> just, um, I don't want. You know, to me, it's stop, just, stop, <laughs> stuff, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's well, why I'm not buying <laughs> anymore. Wrinkle cream. Oh my gosh, um, I didn't realize how much wrinkle cream I have different types that I'm like, oh, this will be the next. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've been um, using the same thing for a couple of years. So I just really like it. For you. Yeah. I really like it.
0: And so I don't go outside. Yeah. See, I'm if there's a sale on that, then I buy some, but
1: I'm just, besides that, just wait till you're like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> games. I have way too many mm-hmm. games. Okay. I'm especially not, I'm We had game night last night, and we played a new game called Mansplaining. So I am not buying any more games (laughs) of the Mansplaining type, and only because we were playing games with, you know, yes, my kids are adults, but... Were you
0: the only girl there?
1: no. No. Okay. But still, it was just things that were, I mean... I just need to, I'll, I'll pl- we'll definitely play it again, but okay. I'm going to go through and select some cards to remove from the game. <laughs> okay. So, it's a fun game. Okay. I just, I, I need to look through the the cards first. Okay, okay. And then books. Oh, my gosh. I have so yeah. many books. But I can let them go. Yeah. Well, I can let them go once okay. I read them. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. I might let well, them go before I read them. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> gosh, I am trying to think of something, though, that I have to stop myself yeah. from... I don't know home decor a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I really like. I like to change my home up for the holidays. Yeah. yeah, so I can I can overdo. Yeah, but this last year I went through every bin mm-hmm. and cleaned it out as as the year progressed.
1: Good, that feels so, so good. I know, it feels so good. So I'm trying not to refill it. The hardest two on that list okay. for me are notebooks and okay. books. Okay. I bought you a notebook. I know, and I loved it. See, that's the thing. I love. She didn't I have love. to buy it herself. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I love notebooks. I love paper stuff. I do too. And but it has to be a good notebook. Yeah, and a it does. Pen. Agree. <laughs> and it's not that I'm not ever going to allow myself to buy them no. again. I have to get through my current stacks first. Yes. I recently finished Peace Pilgrim, so I guess if I go with the one out, one in. Okay. Rule, yes. I can go buy a new book. Okay. But I can't take credit for finding this one. My husband spotted it at in the books at Goodwill. Okay. I knew he had a good find with the cover alone, and I got to show Colleen this. Okay. It's an elderly lady walking along, you know, this long road, country that seems road. To it's be a going long country on. road. Yep. It's kind of got a blue tinge to it. Okay. So kind of a peaceful, beautiful you know, thing. Road that goes on forever with a sweatshirt that says "Peace Pilgrim" right across the front. The book isn't a biography, per se, since she sadly passed away before she wrote one. But instead, it's a compilation of her talks, her interviews, and letters that she shared with people. I think there were like five admirers of her that got together.
0: How cool is that? And
1: put this book together. So, yeah, they just wanted to carry on her her mission. And her message. Yes, exactly. Okay. This woman stopped counting the mileage on her peace pilgrimage at 25,000 miles.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. But for 17 years, she walked across the United States, Canada, and even parts of Mexico with her message of peace. I watched an older documentary on her. Okay. And I think one of my favorite points that someone made when they were interviewed about Peace Pilgrim was that she wasn't anything special. I think that inspires me because I can so relate. Right. You know, she didn't have any extraordinary skills. She was willing to just dedicate her life to the cause. Right. And things that were important to her. She... A sibling noted that she wasn't particularly athletic growing up, so it was a little surprising that she would spend the majority of her life on her feet. Right. You know, traveling. Walking, traveling. I'm having Forrest Gump flashbacks. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay, sorry for <laughs> the randomness, but just him running yeah. and running and running, yeah. like, for and some reason her. in my
1: head, that's what she's yeah. doing. Like, and kinda, just not stopping, yeah. not stopping. I'm sure And then, she then the did, same but. sort of era. That's what I'm thinking Sometimes of. it was also during the yes, Vietnam War. Yeah. I, just, I I don't know why that's so funny. Okay. Truthfully, I think this woman was a bit kooky, but she still inspires me nonetheless. Sure. She wasn't worried about what people were thinking about her or saying about her. She only cared about being right with God and sharing her message. Right. And it was, I mean, it just seems so freeing to me to not yes. care about that. Yes. Peace Pilgrim was born Mildred set Norman, on July 18th, 1908, on a poultry farm in New Jersey. The name of the town cracks me up, and I wrote cracks me up before <laughs> before this. It was called Egg Harbor City. Okay. So, poultry farm. Poultry farm. Um, yeah. Egg Harbor City. It just, yeah. All right. Mildred didn't step foot in a church until she was 16, and that was to attend a wedding. She was captain of her debate team, and she graduated valedictorian in 1926. So, honestly, she may have been a little eclectic, but she sounds <laughs> smart. Smart, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes. definitely. And even in her interviews, and even in her words in here, she's, mm-hmm. she's definitely smart, thought things through. Right. I mean, all of these miles she was thinking and praying that's and talking little, to people, so. That's a lot of time to think. Though. Yeah. A little too much time to think for for me, but I'm so impressed that she could do it. Apparently, she had a bit of a flapper stage and must have been into material possessions at one point in her life. Haven't we all kind of done that, though? Absolutely. Done a little. Yeah. Yeah. But this lady went from, so her sister said she would go to Atlantic City to have her shoes dyed to match her hat and gloves. Oh, my goodness. So she definitely cared about her appearance. She worked for a time as a secretary. In 1933, at 25, she eloped and married a guy named Stanley Ryder. Okay. So the only reason I mention about her, you know, in being into material possessions at one point is that when she's on her pilgrimage, she has, like, her tunic or whatever. Sure. She's got a comb, a toothbrush. I was just say And yeah, then toothbrush. letters in there. She has, like, that. that's it. Just what do you mean little. letters? Like, letters. So people would write her letters okay. and she would... Correspond with them, and that's those are in her book here. Okay, or I guess in the book about her. Okay, I guess the marriage wasn't ideal Hmm. for either of them. Stanley was also interviewed in that documentary. Okay, and noted that he wanted. (laughs) This sounds terrible, but he was like, "I wanted a traditional wife, a woman that would you know cook, clean, have kids." And apparently, Mildred was not the domestic sort. Sure. And she had no desire to have kids. I mean, she just knew that about herself. Okay, can I just say this, though? Let's discuss this before we get married. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, let's talk about kids before. Yeah. And <laughs> that's a pretty just, big decision. Yes. I Sorry. Agreed. Random thought. Agreed. <laughs> well, that's why part of me, you know, when I'm looking up, when I'm reading this book, I had to go and look with why they got divorced because I just was like, um, she just loved everyone. Right. and So, yeah. Um. Like I said, she wasn't the domestic sort, and he also wanted this meek wife Mm. that, you know, would listen to what he said and pretty much follow everything, and he wasn't denying this. I mean, he's talking about it in that documentary, and she... Did you not know this before? (laughs) I know. I know. She would talk a lot. (laughs) Right. So um, the final straw came when he wanted to enlist in World War II, Mm. and she was a staunch pacifist. Okay. So that was the final straw. They divorced at the onset of the war. Between the war and her divorce and the passing her, of her father, which, you know, all happened in pretty much the same time. a lot. Time. Yeah, she was going through a lot. She set off one night for a walk in the woods, and she was walking for hours. She came across a gorgeous moonlit clearing mm-hmm. and just was awestruck, questioning how she could be used. So she knew the answer after that night and began a 15-year preparation period to make sure she was properly ready for this pilgrimage. Wow. Like, at one point, she did a 45-day fast. Wow. I know. I mean, I don't know what all she was allowed to have. I don't care. No. Five-day fast, I can't do. Right. Um, She volunteered with peace organizations, including the Quaker American Friends Service Committee and the Women's international league for peace and freedom she became a vegetarian and stopped drinking coffee now this was decades before the dangers of processed you know white flour and white sugar were revealed but back in this day she quit those because they weren't natural
0: oh interesting she was way ahead of her time it was more about being natural yes just okay
1: Taking care of her body because that's how, you know, she'd been given it. In 1952, Mildred walked the Appalachian Trail in one season, becoming the first woman to do so. She She, would talk about the hills and the valleys. She was 34 years old, by the way. I was just doing doing that that in my head. Okay, 34. Okay. I kind of like to keep track of where people are in their age. I like that. Um, She would talk with people about the hills and the valleys, both physically and metaphorically. She decided that it was time for her pilgrimage, her first one, because the Korean War was raging on Mm -hmm. and McCarthyism was ruining lives here in the States. So she walked ahead of the Pasadena Rose Parade, (laughs) like it was January 1st of 1953, talking to people and handing out these peace petitions. Um, Some doubted her sincerity because this woman, she wrote her own press release, and one one of the comments said, out of the early morning mist, there appeared a woman. <laughs> it just, it sounds like a fairy tale. I love it. But. Um, oh, that's that, amazing. Yeah, that's, that's just, she was who she was. Right. So when the parade stopped, Mildred kept on going. Kept walking. Yeah. So she walked for 28 years after that. One woman thought she had Baha'i beliefs. Oh, okay.
0: That's which, a religion. Yes. And to, I will be talking that about
1: that in the future because... Rain Wilson. I am so excited to talk about him in the future because um, I talked about that bassoon keying. And then he's got soul pancakes. So anyway, to be continued with the Baha'i thing. But um, some college students felt she was a bit of a Christian scientist. I think maybe the reason they thought that is because they are really, the body is the temple that God gave it. And she was so careful. You know, she exercised all the time and she was careful with what she ate. She was a vegetarian. Right. Two young men thought she had a touch of Eastern philosophies. Some, you know, heard her her talks and thought Jewish, Muslim, and some even thought Unitarian lessons. I kind of like how it applied to everybody. Yes, I do too. Let's I do not too. Pigeonhole her. Yeah, I feel like it was more exactly. like some
0: of this can apply to anybody.
1: Exactly. When someone told her that she was, you know, only sharing what the saints had said so long ago, she mm-hmm. replied, "I know there's nothing new in my message, just the practice of it." Mm-hmm. So the heart of this woman has amazed me. She um, had a job as a teenager at like some five and dime store, and she um, had wrong change. So she rang. She didn't have enough change, so she rang no sale. Okay. Because she needed to get it out of another register, or whatever. So she got in trouble for whatever reason. They weren't allowed to get in ever do no sale. Right. So um, she ended up talking her manager. You know explained to her the story and she got reinstated as a cashier. But the person who had um, trained her got in trouble and really did not like her. So one day she went by her desk and she saw all these dead flowers. So here this girl hates her. And instead Mildred gets her new flowers and fills the vase with new flowers. And That really is though, like love your enemies, right? Yeah. Well, they ended up the woman forgave her. Yeah. They were arm in arm the next day. They that were is, buddies again. That is true. I, but mean, yeah. that's Saint I yeah. mean, that's what St. said. Yeah. That's amazing. It's just, but how she hard really would that be? Her, yeah. The, I think that's super hard. Yes. So, yeah. Especially if somebody's- I'm not saying I've ever done it. it. <laughs> Somebody that's pretty <laughs> That's awesome. great. Yeah. Yes. Of her childhood, she said, I was trained to be generous and unselfish and at the same time trained to believe that if I wanted to be successful, I must get out there and grab more than my share of the world's goods. These conflicting philosophies, which I had gathered from my childhood environment, confused me for some time. But eventually, I uprooted this false training. Hmm. She was arrested multiple times. I mean, you got to look at the picture of this woman. Right. I mean, she's... (laughs) Yeah. Even the FBI... Had a file on her until 1967. So the whole reason wow. she formally changed her name to Peace Pilgrim was because they, you know, said she was up to nefarious acts. Okay, and so she
0: actually changed her name to that. Yeah. I thought that was just kind of her.
1: No, no, banner. She, I guess no, is the it was her banner. Okay. She also officially changed her name. Oh, okay, so okay. no one more t- Mildred. <laughs> no. Okay, one time she was walking on a lonely stretch of road and was. Picked up to be taken to jail. The officer couldn't believe that she'd be out there. You know, he's like, this is too dangerous. And she just reminded him that God was watching over her. She slept that night on a concrete floor of the jail cell, you know, pushing aside cigarette butts and newspapers. The next morning, the guy, like in charge of the jail, came in, recognized her from the paper. He knew who she was. Right. He knew her story and was like, you're out, you know, you shouldn't be in here. There's no reason for you to be in here. So jail. he lets her go. But before she leaves, she gets a broom. She walks back into the cell, and she sweeps up the cell. Yeah, so she's leaving her jail cell better than when she found it. I just think that's the sweetest thing. There were too many examples to share of people she came across who were forever changed after meeting her. Her love for people and animals. Obviously, she was a vegetarian, but one woman in that documentary said she wouldn't swat at Mosquito. Like, she wouldn't swat, kill them. She would just, like, shoo them away. Shoo, shoo. Mosquitoes. <laughs> no <laughs> thank like, you. Yeah. So she pointed out that when you harbor hate. They bite you. I know. Exactly. <laughs> and then you itch for, like, That's days right. and days. They're <laughs> evil. But she pointed out that when you harbor hate in your heart, it's only poisoning the hater, not mm-hmm. the hated. So I was just going to read a little section of things that she had in her book. She, um, When people would ask her, you know, aren't you afraid of being mugged? She's like, who's going to mug me? I, got I have for my <laughs> toothbrush? Yes, I know. I know. I don't have a thing. <laughs> there was a time when I was walking out of town at Sunset, and a well-to-do couple in a big house called me over. They had read about my pilgrimage and felt that it was their Christian duty to warn me that ahead of the way there lay a very wicked place called South of the border. <laughs> they just wanted to warn me not to go near that place. They didn't offer me food or shelter, however, so I walked on for several hours. It was a very dark night with heavy cloud cover, and all of a sudden it started to rain. Big drops were coming down, and I was carrying a lot of unanswered mail. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's I looked soggy for- <laughs> fast. <laughs> uh, I looked for a place where there might be shelter, and nearby I saw a combination gas station, restaurant, and motel. I ducked under the roof for uh, um, over the gas pumps and started to put the unanswered mail into the front of my tunic so it wouldn't get wet. So the man cute. from the gas station came running out and said, don't stand out there in the rain. Come into the restaurant. The man in the restaurant said, oh, we read about you, and we'd like to offer you a dinner or something you want. By the time I realized where I was, do you want to guess? She was in South of the Border. South of the
0: Border. The
1: man from the motel was sitting across the table, and he gave me a room for the night and they also gave her breakfast in the morning. That's awesome. She said, you know, they might not have been great people. She didn't know, but they were much more of the Christian fashion than yeah. the ones They still were generous yes, with what they had. Who had warned the, you know, the Christians who had warned her about south of the border. So, I also really admire how she viewed and perceived things. One time she found herself in this blizzard. She was frozen. <laughs> Picture her shoes. I mean, they're those canvas, like, KED-type shoes. Right. Right. So, yeah, it sounds just miserable to me. She couldn't see her hand in front of her face. It was coming down so hard. She began what I think was hallucinating. Right. And I think feeling like it was her time she was going to go. Hypothermic, probably. Absolutely. Right. She saw an angel that pointed out a bridge. She made it to the bridge and sheltered underneath it, waiting out the storm. She would tell that story saying how most people would look at her and say, you know, that poor old lady in the snow and feel sorry for her. But she saw it as a miracle because she had been given shelter. Right. Which just impresses me that she could put that spin on it. I think it kind of also like how she was saying the
0: saints or the apostles Mm -hmm. did the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Jesus kind of sent them out with nothing and said, yeah. Rely on the people around yeah. you to help you. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me yeah. of that. And I think that's, yeah. I wonder if that's kind of what
1: she was thinking. Trying like, to do.
0: I'm just gonna rely on yeah. who will help me out. And she absolutely did. And, she absolutely and when they didn't, did.
1: she would have like strawberries or wild berries on you know, she'd be right. like, I just had all sorts of you know yummy fruit. A feast. Yeah. Right. Um she walked the country seven times. Wow. She didn't accept money, but people helped her with shelter and mm-hmm. food. Often, like I said, it was the people with the least that helped her the Mm -hmm. most. In 1964, she stopped counting her mileage, but she had worn through 29 pairs of sneakers, and they think that those averaged 1,500 miles a pair. What's interesting that, you know, with running shoes, they suggest that after 300 to maybe 500 miles, you replace your shoes just for your knees and your hips and just to keep your body. Especially as you get older. Yeah. And these are like those cam, like no inserts, no sole to them. And um, yeah, she went 1,500 miles on them. So they think that she went like 43,000 miles in her time. The night before she passed away, she had been praying with a preacher and told him, When my work on this planet Earth is done, I want to move on very quickly. So on July 7th, 1981, she received a ride to a speaking engagement at a senior citizen's luncheon near Knox, Indiana. Their car was hit head on and she died at the scene. It was one week before her birthday. And it's sad, she had a lot of close. Like that almost happened many times. Okay, but or she'd get in a car and it would be you know she just felt like something was off or she'd get in a car because she was hitchhiking right. often too. She would also to make sure she kept track of her where she was going. Mm-hmm. She'd put an X on the road so she'd get a ride to where you know into town and get food. She'd come back to that X and she'd continue Keep going, continue walking. Wow. So she just was. Like I said, just... I think she had a good intuition, maybe, yes. is
0: what you were trying to say. Yes. Just an intuition, maybe, about people and places and...
1: Yes, and there was one time she was in this truck, and she didn't like how he's driving. She thought he had been drinking, and so she's like, pull over and just let me out. So a little bit later, she notices that truck. Mm-hmm. She walks by it, and he had, had an accident. and wow. You know, so um, she... Pay attention to your intuition. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, for sure. Um, I loved her um, her points with Seeking Spiritual Life. Her four things were spend time alone each day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're angry, don't engage in it. Just pray. Um, visualize God's light each day and send it out. I Ooh, love the great. send it out Me part. too. I really love this one too. Exercise the body. It's the temple of our soul. She also had so many lessons, so many lessons that she talked. And she did a lot of, um, she went to college campuses. She went to just all sorts of talking engagements. She talked about her purifications. She said, then I discovered that there were purifications required in me. This was before her pilgrimage. The first one is such a simple thing. It's purification of the body. This has to do with your physical living habits. Do you eat sensibly? Eating to live. I, th- I just think all of this pertains today. I, I mean, this too. is so long right. ago, but I actually know people who live to eat. And do you know when to stop eating? That's a very important thing to know. Do you have sensible sleeping habits? I try to get out of bed early and get plenty of sleep. She was like nine to five is my thing. So I think she was in bed at nine and up, <laughs> up at five. Do you get plenty of fresh air? Sunshine, exercise, and mm. contact with nature. They say, I mean, just talking about grounding. Yeah. Your circadian rhythm.
0: Yes. Being out in the sunshine. I mean, yeah. all of this now has really come to fruition to show that it and this is important. Was, like
1: so far every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The second purification, I cannot stress too much because it's purification of thought. If you realize how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. They can be a powerful influence for good when they're on the positive side, and they can and do make you physically ill when they're on the negative side. And like I said, she had a bunch of examples that she would talk to people about that, like true stories of experiences she had. Right. If you're harboring the slightest bitterness towards anyone or any unkind thoughts of any sort whatsoever, you must get rid of them quickly. They aren't hurting anyone but you. So true. I know. It said that the hate injures the hater, not the hated. It isn't just enough to do right things and say right things. You must also think right things before your life can come into harmony. That sounds really hard. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I know. True? Um, but hard. I know exactly. The third purification is purification of desire. What are the things you desire? Do you desire new clothes or pleasures or new household furnishings or a new car? You can come to a point of oneness, of desire, just to know and do your part in the life pattern. When you think about it, is there anything else as really important to desire? There's one more purification, and that's the purification of motive. What is your motive for whatever you're doing? If it's pure greed or self-seeking for the wish of self-gratification, I would say, don't do it. Your motives, if you're to find inner peace, must be an outgoing motive. It must be service. It must be giving, not mm-hmm. getting. And I just loved that that message. I mean, there's a lot more. She has right. things on her fasting. She has things on her pilgrimage. The woman was just ahead of her time. Yes, she really was. And like I said, a little bit kooky because yeah. there was a time they were, someone had bought her a trip to Hawaii. Okay. To... You know, it's kind of like you said with the disciples. So she's sitting there, you know, talking with these people. And a police officer approached them and said there had been a murder in the area. And she's like, oh, we'll be protected. We don't have to worry. Well, Colleen and I know that with, you know, us being kind of crime junkies, yes. uh, you don't stay on the beach. No. So, but she just, and and thank goodness they were protected. They, nothing happened. at peace with herself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And she knew where she just come going. what may. Yeah. Yeah. She was ready to, to go to the other side yes. for sure. Yes. Wow. I love, too, that she didn't start any of this until she was in her 40s. Right. So it's never, ever too late to make a difference. I also loved – I know I just keep talking about things I love, love, love <laughs> – but um, John Robbins was also in that documentary and talked a little bit about her. And his quote was – I just need to write it somewhere – was your life an answer or part of the problem? Oh, Which wow. I think is so That's profound. Yes. I just I love I mean I love John Robbins after his book Diet for a New America. He was going to take over Baskin Robbins. So okay. he's you know, his his father had um so that'll ha that after Rain Wilson will have to be another another podcast. Yes. But, yeah, this woman just amazed me that it's never too late to make a huge difference. Right. People can go um, download her book. You don't have to find it at Goodwill. Okay. (laughs) You can go to peacepilgrim.org, and it said that you can totally download. Free digital download. Yeah. Her Peace Pilgrim, her life and work in her own words. Amazing. Every good thing you do, every good thing you say, every good thought you think vibrates on and on and never ceases. The evil remains only until it's overcome by the good, but the good remains forever. Peace, Pilgrim. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website,
0: tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast, podcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.